Sonor Kenjo. Yeah. Welcome to Fallout Podcast, episode 72, aka the Broken Brothers Pentacle Church. It's a futile fall showdown, all 525 songs, approximately going head to head in ultimate, never to repeat it until next time. Showdown split into four eras, 77 to 85, 86, 93, etc., etc. Joined. Uh, we are back after a break and joined by Michelle Pippington, Billy Rugby, tight faded male arse. How are you doing, Pip? <laughs> well, thank you very much, sir. I'm excellent. My batteries are recharged. Good. Uh, Lord Sage Temple is on a uh, pat leave dispenser, but he's been replaced by Chris Barrow of Wigan, Meat Animal. How are you doing, Hello. Chris? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Now on the other okay. side of the divide, not no longer guest. Now, guesty, uh, T. Pemberton Walker, I thought you were rabbit prey or loose sex criminal. Yeah, all of the above. And this week I've been mostly scraping my chin against the pavements. Oh, again? Nice. Well, good, good, good. Uh, joined uh, maybe by Tiny Tim Trois from the other side compared to this, St. Petersburg was nothing. Is he with He's us? Been He's been tapping on the radiator, loud and clear. Good. And I am tree, three beards. I throw it on the floor and I piss in it. Uh, we have a guest. We have a guest. It is Jerry Thackeray, the leg end. Jerry, um, nice to have you. Yes, nice to be here, I think. Well, the only time will tell, won't it? Um, Jerry, um, uh, do you mind telling us your uh, fall journey, your uh, history with this band and your love? Yeah, sure, my, my fall journey. Well, you know, I got into pop music really late. Um, I wasn't... I didn't like any of the pop music that I heard in the 70s, so um, I didn't listen to any of it. And I looked kind of on in horror at my friends who kind of watched Top of the Pops and stuff. So <clears throat> in the late 70s, I was about 17 before I got into pop music. That was about the age. And um, I had a bunch of, um, not a bunch, I had three friends. Um, they were my only friends. They were into comics and they got into punk rock. And um, I didn't really like this punk rock that much. Um, I thought it was just a load of kind of male rock stars strutting their stuff, kind of like the Rolling Stones, only in a different way. And um, so but it was a choice between kind of either liking some of this music or losing my friends. And I found it quite hard to make friends at that point in time, still do, as a matter of fact. And um, so I started getting into music now. I was 17. Um, I was fully aware that in future years, you know, when I was like past my 60s, I would be asked what the first record I ever bought was. So I was careful to make sure it was something that um, I would be proud of um, telling people about. I got it slightly wrong with my single, actually. The first single I ever bought was the Sex Pistols. Uh, that sounds cool and everything, but it wasn't. It was the Ronnie Big Sex Pistols single. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the first album I ever bought was Live at the Witch Trials by The Fall. Um, it was a choice between that or Punishment and Luxury, I seem to remember. Uh, Punny Lux are okay, but they weren't that okay. And um, The Fall album, so Live at the Witch Trials. Um, I bought it and I was that naive about music. For about 20 years after I bought it, I was always <clears throat> absolutely in awe at the... Um, obvious amount of time they must have spent recording it to get it so finely honed in the studio i thought they must have spent months and months and months kind of getting every kind of last note just right whereas of course they recorded it all in about six hours yeah. when um, marky smith had a cold or something so that's where it kind of started um i i kind of religiously bought every kind of full single um i could mostly from rough trade records in labrick grove in london 
um, and bought every single one on the deck, came out um, for years and years, um, bought all of their albums, certainly up to Hex Induction Hour, um, possibly a little bit later than that, um, until, you know, and then I became a music critic and started getting sent stuff for free, and so I didn't buy stuff so much then. Yeah. Actually, I still bought stuff a lot then. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so that's roughly it. Oh, yeah, and I never went to see them live because um, I always figured there'd be a massive disappointment. So I held off um, because I was like, there's no way, you know, it took them months and months and months to get that sound on live in the Rich Trials. There's no way they could duplicate that live. Um, so I held off till about 1981, I believe, to see them live, um, some considerable length of time in those days. Mm-hmm. And I only went to see them live because... Um, my favourite band in the world at the time was supporting them at female three-piece from New York, and they got bottled off the stage by the full fans, which <laughs> which I thought was hilarious, actually. <laughs> one, of anyway. the sh- one of the shames that we have that we don't talk about too much is that we've actually not seen the fall live many times. I only saw them once. I mean, Al, you've probably seen them the most. How many times did you see them? Once. <laughs> <laughs> so bet- between us, we've only seen them a handful. Chris, come on, you must have seen them a few times. I'm, I'm- I'm gonna say I'm gonna say five. Oh, okay, I see. Something, I saw. Something, something I saw. Right yeah. I yeah. watched them in Manchester at least three times. Yeah. But they played. They, they played Wigan. They did play. They did. Wigan. did. Yeah. yeah. They played. Yeah, to go to that. Yeah. Did, 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 did you? Uh, right. Jerry, did you get to see many times through the years, or was uh, that your one? Uh, I'm not. You know, I can't really remember the eighties or the nineties or the noughties okay. or actually, I can't even remember yesterday. Um, but it's a bloody awful song. Uh, but um, I think I, I, I probably saw them a dozen times or so, I think, um, over the years, because it seems, uh, I think it wouldn't have been possible to see them less than that. Uh, I would have mainly gone to see the support bands because they always did have some interesting support bands. Um, and I th- they, did a, they, they did a whole series of shows in the early 80s. I think they and the Cramps kind of went head to head. And I was a big fan of both bands, so that seemed like a no-brainer to go and see. Um, so, so, yeah, um, I don't know, maybe a dozen times. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I want to dig into that a little bit more as we go uh, as we go through, if that's all right. And I, and I know recently you played a, a gig of some fall covers, which uh, uh, is delightful. I'd like to ask you a little bit about that later if you don't mind of course and um yeah let's start off by uh, having a listen to job one on the air rifle first phil if you don't mind La la, nice, nice, nice. Pip, as is customary, I'm coming to you first. What do you make of Jawbone and the Air Rifle? Oh, it's uh, it's a beautiful piece. It's very atmospheric, uh, very evocative, slice of narrative we- weird. Um, I-, I think the first thing that you've got to talk about is just that bass line that bounces all the way through the song. It's right in your face. It's, it's a constant sense of momentum. 
um, that carries you all the way through. Even on the, the tempo changes, which come up some quite sort of uh, handbrake turns, the, the slip into like a boogie-woogie walking bass line, and then the, the half-tempo drop down where it's, um, you know, it, it takes on this slower, more kind of talkative pace. Um, absolutely brilliant stuff. This is kind of what you pay your money for, isn't it? It's uh, it's the fall. It's Emma James. It's it's creepy and it's rocking. And um, I, I'll do something I don't normally do. Actually, make reference to the annotated ball, which is which is I try to avoid as much as possible. Um, but the run rabbit run thing. As soon as I'd, I read that on the annotated fall, the fact that that's where that kind of riff comes from. It's like, oh yeah, I can't not hear that now. But yeah, brilliant tune. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. And once again, our weekly uh, thanks to the Annotated Fall for doing most of our work for us. So thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and uh, Al, what do you make of uh, Job 1 and the Air Rifle? Hex Induction Hour 1982. Again, one of those that have loved for many a year. Um, really solid. And it? it's a uh, driving rhythm, as it's been mentioned before, like that burst line. Uh, and the, the drop down's fantastic as well. Um, it's like a different song. Um, I think that is quite interested in the way that it comes out. It works out. Um, but yeah, just in general, like, you know, you can hear loads of other bands in it as well, can't you? That is just so bloody influential. It's unbelievable. Um, but, you know, whiffs of pavement in there, definitely. Um, but yeah, a fantastic song from a fantastic LP. And it's going to be a really difficult one this first round. Pavement influenced by the fall. Oh, you're really pushing out there aren't you pushing the boat <laughs> what next yeah. i'm uh, driving on a regressor this week yeah yeah <laughs> this is what so ezra's had a lot of time basically because he's off work and he's got a, a new baby so you know strap in for this one tight i'll do the voice titanic camera and scale bargain basement run rabbit mummery from daz group despite relatively short length quite musically varied for hex etc 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 he talks about the peel session version which is which is really good um dread tale of nightmare curse on conversion thrust upon poacher man driven to hills because he gets no kicks anymore from wife or children for um yes he goes on on and on and on uh but uh <laughs> it's all great stuff jerry what do you make of uh, job one and the air rifle well you know here's the thing um i i, I think i might have been the first person to write about pavement in this country and um yeah i might have picked up on the um fall reference somewhat and I might have taken a piss out of Steve Maltmus <laughs> relentlessly about yeah. it for several years. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, here's the odd thing about me as a Fall fan. Um, I, as, as you're aware, I've, I've been doing these kind of piano versions of songs for the last couple of years, kind of posting them up one a day on Facebook. It was something that started during lockdown. I can't sing. I can't play the piano. Um, but it just seems like it's something to do, isn't it? Um, and... Before I, I, I've never listened to lyrics my entire life. I couldn't even tell you the lyrics to like two line Ramones songs. And I read a book on the Ramones. I couldn't even tell you their lyrics. I couldn't tell you the song titles. And so The Fall's really interesting for me because I've never, until I started doing these piano versions, never, ever listened to Fall lyrics. You know, obviously I was aware that everybody said Marky e. Smith was an incredible poet and wordsmith and everything. And, and the bits that I had heard, I kind of 
bought into. But um, so, so what I listen to in a song like that are, are the kind of intonations, the kind of um, the rhythmic kind of, you know, as you say, the bass kind of, um, yeah, I mean, it's a good solid line. There was a great live album came out around that time, I believe, uh, a part of America they're in mm, yeah, yeah. about yeah. that time. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and I don't know if that song was on it, but I seem to remember that album. I like its induction hour a lot, but I, it was an hour, right? It, I mean, yeah, that's the title. They, they, well, they, they cheated a little bit because this on this day was like 15 minutes and they chopped it down, so it was exactly 60 minutes. But yeah, we'll give okay. it that. Yeah, so they cut it off. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a great, solid, full song. Um, yeah. Indeed. And what does Mr. Chris Barrow of Wigan think? Well, I think um, it covers a lot in three and a half minutes. Um, it kicks off with an excellent punky sound, possibly one of the most overtly punk songs by the band, actually. The chorus, in my opinion, could have been slightly better, a little bit glib after the initial impact, then slows down into a section that is quite atmospheric, more of a Ben Sinister vibe um, for that section, then basically does it all again. Um, also sounds fantastic when the first part kicks back in again. That's a real good, uh, good moment. And the lyrics are like a weird urban horror movie. The villagers dance around prefabs and laugh through twisted mouths. Excellent stuff. Indeed, indeed. And, and uh, if you are going to criticise Chris, uh, how will you? <laughs> how, how would you improve the chorus to this song? Can, can, can you do it, better? It, it's a little, it's, it's, um, a little mis, mismatch to the, to the kind <laughs> of. And it just goes a little bit. I like, let like you off this week, nice, but next week, nice just a ye- yellow, yellow card that one. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we we started Patreon like the other week, sellouts, or or is it us being independent artists? Who knows? Is it good? Or not? Who knows? This is the new pirate radio. Anyway, you know, we've now got a Patreon. So this is for the fan by the fan. This is Leon, our our Patreon, has <laughs> sent in a message to read about this song. He said the best version on Hex is louder slashing guitars. Any Mez narrative tale should be treasures and one of Riley's finest guitar lines in the last verse. I, I, I agree. I think um, that Run Rabbit Run, yeah, that stood out as soon as I'd got it, and I'd never heard that before. But um, yeah, that thumping bass, that great melody. I, I love the understated backing vocals because often those chants kind of overpower, right? But they're kind of nicely buried in the, in the mix, especially on the, the album version. Classically wonky. And yeah, those lyrics, the rabbit killer left his home for the cloth and said goodbye to his infertile spouse, carried her rifle and firm stock of wood, carried night sight telescope light um and yeah it all gets very mysterious and um lovecraftian maybe with slime towards the end but uh splendid splendid stuff indeed what does uh tiny tim think on the other side over there well he's tapped through morse code what to say bloody brilliant perfectly judged and paced with some of the best part writing in the in the catalog the successfully bell-like ring of the guitars at sparkling fill space perfectly with sublime rhythm section propelling everything forward i love the backing vocals doubling the bass line in the chorus the slightly ramshackle jerk into motion when the track speeds into the chorus too the vocal performance and to a career highlight with some brilliant phrasing and enunciation no bottle had he anymore beautiful beautiful indeed and it is up against and this is 
unfortunately we come to the end of round one so we had to put all the big songs that were left up against each other so it is up against smile off perverted by language 1983 which is a disgrace i cannot believe that the universe has thrown these two songs together so early in the competition but that is life and we must go with it so there's a little bit of uh smile if you don't mind philip <laughs> really layering on those excuses here Chris Barr, I'm coming to you first because you defended um, systematic abuse when it came up and it looks like they might have cribbed themselves a little bit there on this song. Uh, <laughs> smile! Yes, well, uh, on the BBC4 fall documentary, John Peel says of seeing the fall in the early 80s, I've never been in a room so crackling with malevolence. So much hostility and rancor. Hard to explain, but this is an aspect of the fall that makes them highly appealing. Smile is high, is arguably the most hostile and malevolent song they ever came up with. Repetitive and tense throughout, just changing in its intensity. Fantastic vocals, utterly unique. Just a wonderful, antagonistic slab of attitude that you can't help but love. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Ezra reckons it sounds like Vincent Vincent Price welcoming the reader to a tale of terror. The terror sounds to me like non-Euclidean prismatic vortex of socialising. I can only do is this if I'm totally... Was it, was it, was it Gibbous? It was, was it Gibbous. Gibbous and waxing, like, wasn't it? Girls unimpressed by upper-middle-class anarchists, one would hope, tripping balls and wandering into this grim, posh party scene. Um, Hip, what do you make of, of this character assassination? Oh. Oh. So when this song starts off, that guitar riff is one of the one of my favourite all guitar riffs. I think beautiful. I think the open strings, it's um, the way it chimes against these kind of semitone drops and stuff. I think it's so haunting, and uh, I, I'm 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 in straight away. Whatever this is, I'm in. And then as the drums build up and the drums actually kick in, the guitar just disappears into the background. It's just like this sort of texture texture thing that's going on, and it's it's just marked. And the drums just just doing this bizarre performance, theatrical kind of piece. It's like I'm never quite sure what he's talking about, but it it scares the shit out of me. Um, and I I, I love his his little sort of barked one liners that are, are like these two word phrases that just seem to kind of capture so much and I ask so many questions, but I'm really not. I, I, I have no idea where it is. I'm being led. I just it's quite dark, scary. Um, yeah. I, I think Mezzi's vocal performance is what makes this, and I think it's astonishing. It, yeah, the squawk is in full squawk mode all the way through. It's it's absolutely wonderful. 
Terry, what does uh, Smile do for you? Oh, man, you can't put any other song up against Smile. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you just can't. It's, they're just going to pale into you know, flaccid indifference. Um, this is, I, honestly, I, th I think Mark's vocals on this are, are some of his finest vocals he's ever recorded. He's, the, the kind of bile, the spittle behind them, the kind of, you know, the malevolence has been talked about already. Um, it's... Jawbone, the, the Jawbone and the Rifle, kind of, I like that song, but but that's a punk song, and as much as it exists on one level, it kind of, you know, but but this one's got so much dynamics behind, so many dynamics going on. It's got so many kind of different layers and contrasts um, happening. Kind of the other the other song that Smile always puts me in mind of, uh, full song is Spectre versus Rector. Kind of a, a similar kind of great vocal performance and similar levels of hostility and kind of just sheer kind of scariness. Um, also, kind of it's interesting you, you, you pull out that song from um, post-TLC Reformation because I think the three kind of standout albums for me kind of post like 1982 or something would be post-TLC Reformation, Code Selfish and Perverted by Language. Um, and, and probably for similar kind of reasons, you know, that they've all got it going on. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, smile. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I mean, it's 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 so dark. He's talking about there's nothing to smile about in this song at all. It is just so dark, bass heavy. The toms, just Carl Burns, just rattling those toms all the way through. And then, yeah, Smith on absolute fire. That bass coming in high and low. And um, yeah, I'd never really been able to hear the lyrics in this song before. So, um, you know, reading them this week, uh, it's just a, a straight one of his character assassination songs. Whoever this is about, they, <laughs> they want to get out of that room as soon as possible. Patchwork jacket from the top of his ears, shaved relation with fellow age group and opposite birds, smiles, once anarchy, positive GBH, smile. Alistair. Um, Mark, Mark, so Marky Smith always had this kind of reputation of being a cantankerous kind of, you know, old git. And I and I wonder how much of that is just kind of the persona being projected from songs like this. And how I mean, I doubtless, you know, I, I I only ever met him a couple of times. Doubtless he was a formidable opponent. But yeah. I do wonder whether a lot of it's just carried over from a song like this. It's definitely part. We've talked about this a few times. How much is he, he putting it on a little bit? How much is it's people interpretation of art versus artist kind of thing? And how much would you just uh, want to be wary? Did you ever interview? Him or is it just you just might passed in? I've got a couple of very small anecdotes here. Um, so I remember in the early 80s, the Membranes, I don't know if you remember Membranes, Blackpool yeah. band. Um, supported John, John, John Robb, right? John Robb, yeah. Okay. Supported the fall on a couple of dates. And, and I don't know what it was. They went into their dressing room and they shouldn't have done or something. But I remember John Robb telling me how Marky e. Smith just punched them straight out. And, and John Robb's, you know, he's, he's, he's a big guy, right? Yeah, a big a big um, maybe that's when he started working out. I don't know, but um, in the early um, in the early nineteen nineties, we used to hold um these debates in the Melody Maker offices, kind of to a variety, you know, stage diving, indie versus major. We had an indie versus major debate, and we invited a whole load of people, and we had a couple of unexpected guests show up. Um, Marky e. Smith and Peter Hook. They weren't. They weren't invited. They just thought it sounded like a laugh. They came down to the offices, and there's this. <laughs> there's this marvelous photo, photo of them. I, I guess Marky e. Smith was still smoking, even though it was inside. 
And um, I'm sitting at the head of the table and I've got Peter Hook standing on one side of me, Marky Smith, both with their hands on my shoulder, like they're kind of passing on the flame or something. It's, you know, it's one of my favourite photos. Um, I don't remember a single word if he even said anything to me that day. I've got no idea. Well, it seems like a delightful uh, experience is that we've had a couple of people on who've kind of passed in his circle. And um, mostly people seem to have uh, had a, a relatively nice experience if he didn't lock them out of the room that they were supposed to be in with him. <laughs> <laughs> um it's this time of evening where I forget who I've spoken to. Uh, Tim, Al, 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 have you told us what you think about your smile? Not yet. Al, go on. I've done no, but I, I did dig out um, an old melody maker from 1994, just have a, a nose to, to right. reminisce. Oh, why not? Why not? Yeah, but it's dead interesting just seeing what was going on, like, because it, it seemed like there was pretty sort of strong independent scene at the time, like, you know, even though some of the independents were actually majors, um, you know, by proxy. Um, but yeah, like some good, sh- good shit going on. Uh, but smile, yeah, come on, it, it does kick the face off most opposition, doesn't it? Really, it's it's, it's top draw sort of false stuff. Um, the Burns Hanley drumming on this is fantastic. The, the way that they, you know they, they bounce off each other. So you got sort of like Hanley kind of like playing the straight beat and Burns just sort of like going around the shops, like you know, and just chucking in stuff left, right, and centre. Uh, but yeah, like you said, the dynamics, the, the way the, the, the best just sort of like goes high low. Um, in the guitar, it's the, the only the only fall song that I've been asked to try to learn to play on guitar, um, and it, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, but I did pick up in the lyrics the uh, take the chicken run to the toilet, which I quite liked, and it reminded me of the, uh, the the chicken run film, and then that reminded me of the line in it. But I don't like gravy, but because it was take the chicken run to the toilet, it made me think, no, but I don't like bum gravy. Well, that was quite a journey you went on there, and it's. Uh... <laughs> I'm glad that we we spent several minutes taking it once again with you. So here's what Leon had to say over on Patreon. Smile, a masterwork of... I don't do the voice for him, do I? Because that'd be nice. Uh, smile, a masterwork of force and tension with Mez as ringmaster. Love the Maybe nightmare. Maybe do a different voice. Maybe do a different voice. Do the, do the Patreon voice. He says uh, he says it's good. He likes peel and verbal uh, language and... Um, he he likens it to Sonic Youth and, and Swans, uh, which I and uh, I we're also having a competition to name Ezra's baby, aren't we? On the, yeah, uh... which I, <laughs> I think Swans is in top running at the, at the moment. Um, <laughs> I was thought Min should be a nice name for a girl. I had a theory at one point that um, <laughs> it doesn't hold up at all, so I don't think I should share it. Go on. But I had a theory that um, the fall were to the UK what Sonic Youth were to America. Um, in terms of the influence and the shadow they cast over the entire scene pretty much single-handedly. Uh, not necessarily talking sonically or anything like that, ju- just in terms of their influence and, and, and you know, j- just their sway over everything. I always yeah, felt those was happening. I, I, I definitely give that. I think that the only thing that colours that for me is a bit that obviously Sonic Youth came a bit later and were influenced themselves by the fall and that, that generation. But, yeah, they were probably the first... Big one. I've just been listening to that um, 
podcast called You Don't Know Mojack. It's up, it's going through all the SST uh, recordings, album by album, and they're just about to get to Sonic Youth's uh, first one. And that's that's great. That uh, if you if you're into the, they go through all the Black Flag and Minutemen, Husker uh, Du kind of stuff. That's, that's what's it, it called? It's called uh, You Don't Know Mojack. Okay, Mojack's like an obscure uh, SST band, uh, but uh, yeah. Um, well, it's time to take the first vote. So let's have a see which pip, which way you're going. No, there was an argument, wasn't there? There was a bit, a bit of fisticuffs in the bunker this week about yeah, this yeah. one because you've been very bad and you put these two songs together. And I am in Camp Smile. As much as I love Jawbone and the Air Rifle, Smile is the best tune. It's a, it's you're a, wrong. I know, wrong I, I know, I know, I know. I'm torn myself. Uh, Jerry, which way are you going? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm smile. Yeah, that's thought as much. <laughs> Al, it's a shame that it's not up against shock stock or something like that. It'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Like, but it's got to be smile. I know. Chris, smile. Yeah, I'm actually going to go for smile. I'm, I'm repeated listening. Ah, well, I, I love the story of Jawbone, but it doesn't hold up against smile. Smile is just a tour de force. It's just a force of nature. It's marvelous. Smile doesn't have that stupid do 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 in it, which quite, is quite Riley. I think that let's. <laughs> It is. It is Riley with his uh, cheekiness, isn't it? He's. Uh, he has to. He has to choose his moments. Uh, what does Tim think? Teams again. He's <laughs> uh, given Jawbone five, Smile thirty six. Okay, as usual, sticking to the rules. So let's move on to um, Everything Hurts off Code Selfish. Now, every every time Jerry was just saying this before. Every time we come on, people say. Like, did you choose this list for with me in mind? And it's always totally random. And I just read somewhere that, or you mentioned earlier that God Selfish is one of your uh, albums that you that you like post uh, Hex and so on. But um, yeah, just a coincidence. So let's have a listen to uh, Everything Hurts off God Selfish, nineteen ninety two. As you did mention Code Selfish earlier, Jerry, um, I'm going to come to you first, if you don't mind. What uh, what does Everything Hurts do for you? Okay, well, I've got to say this straight off. It shits all over R.E.M. Right. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I'm sorry. No argument here. <laughs> oh, you you know, can come um, back, Jerry. Will you come back every week? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know... When, as I say, I got into music quite late on. Uh, one of the other bands, the first albums I bought was Joy Division. 
And um, I, I, I searched for that Atmosphere 12-inch for ages. I found it eventually, which was good and everything. Um, and then played it on my really tinny kind of dance set record player and buggered, buggered it up completely. Um, but um, I was always... Somebody had told me that Ross, Ross Abbott had done a song called Atmosphere. And for years, I thought it was the same song. And I was so disappointed when I found out it wasn't. I would have loved to have heard Ross Abbott covering Joy Division. Yeah. Um, this has got nothing to do with the full song, but I, I just thought that um, MES really loves a party with a good atmosphere, <laughs> and that's what this this that's what this song provides us. It, it's got the atmosphere, hasn't it? It's got that kind of it, it's kind of malevolent again, really, um, it, and it's just got a great riff, you know. It, it just pounds away in there. Yeah, very nice. Leon's uh, reckons that it's it's mixed like a dance track with the driving bass and the guitar low in the mix with lots of lyrical treats. Um, but the age and lifestyle is catching up with Mez. He visibly aged from 90 to 92, especially after that year in Edinburgh, uh, drinking whiskey and getting divorced. Um, but um, Chris, what what does everything, uh, everybody and everything hurts do for you? Yes, well, I, yeah, I do like uh, Cold, Cold Selfish. It's got that uh, subtle nod to uh, electronic music, like you say. But unfortunately, the, the production's a little, a little bit timid to give that great, great kind of fall sound. The bass a little bit, a bit kind of low in the mix for me. Um, everything hurts is possibly the most kind of raucous thing on there. But they've kind of gone a bit, uh, a bit further with it. I do like the guitar sound, but the rhythm is a little bit, bit ploddy. The rhythm section is just a bit too, bit too ploddy. Uh, it's a good song, but certainly not a fall classic. It goes on a little bit too long for me as well for for a, for a single. Fair enough. Yeah, it's a it it's got its charm, but it was for me it was a strange choice as a as a single. I think it was yeah. put out as a single, wasn't it? But um, because they had three ranges on there, and that was uh, that almost gave them the brush with greatness because it got to like thirty seven in the charts or something like that. Um, what does Tim think? So he's screaming to the void. Not bad, this one. The chug along is a bit standard, but I really like the keys or synths that sort of sputter along at a few points. It kind of reminds me a bit more of a conventional and toothless version of what they did with Das Vulture and I Nut Opine at points. But it lacks the bite and vitality. I type that from memory, so that might be garbled nonsense in a tribute to Mezzi's Pigeon German. Okay. Okay. High <laughs> praise indeed from the other side. <laughs> For me, musically, yeah, maybe it's a, it's a bit middling, a bit plodding. It has got some nice Dave Bush rhythms going on there. But it was only when I got into the lyrics that I, I really started to kind of get into it. I've been I've been pursuing the fuel too long, got a big fat pain in my chest bone, got a big fat no-no in my checkbook and everything hurts. I got the disease tinnitus. I'm speaking like I've got Tourette's and everything hurts. I'm dressed like a road beacon on my way to Valhalla breakfast. Can't you see the witches by my side? following me all through my life and everything hurts i was born my take on this and i, I was on, on it before and I actually put in a comment which i don't do very often because i thought maybe i had something to add to this that hadn't been said before but maybe it's a bit obvious but this seems to me like mez is is taking that that buddhist idea of life is pain uh, and religion is open for the masses as this kind of meditation on life he talks through Christianity, he quotes the Bible, he talks possibly Buddhism and 
and uh, endless cycles and then he mentions the viking afterlife so there's there's a theme which i don't think i'm imagining i think it's there and then he talks about getting hangovers in, involving chicken people and reptile hybrids crossing your bedroom which i'm all for it <laughs> well that seals it that seals it brings in some ikeism as well at the last minute <laughs> alistair what do you reckon to this yeah i love the preaching bit at the beginning of it um where he is quoting jesus um and i can imagine that live being quite interesting it's like you've gone into the church of the fall we've uh we've out previously haven't we oh, um yeah, yeah but uh, anomaly uh, called selfish so it's not one of my favorites uh but i like this one and uh, i'm gonna do that again yeah, i do quite like this one uh, surprised chris was sort of like saying oh it's a bit plodic because it reminds me a bit of like what kind of turned into uh, the later fall sounds, you know, like stuff like systematic abuse, uh, where it's like dead kind of just... Yeah, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, lads, <laughs> it's his first time. I don't think this is... This is... Chris. <laughs> they learn from the mistakes that they made here. We'll, we'll hold him. Jerry can punch him. I'll agree with what Chris said about the production, because it's a bit too slick, and it's like when they were... Uh, Fontana, wasn't it? They were, they were basically signed to... Major level, wasn't it? Dynasty, yeah. Uh, you know, they do... They're looking at shifting units, um, try and keep it sort of um, not too bland, but, you know, uh, bland enough that you might get some radio play if you're lucky. This is what the kids were lapping up in 1992, isn't it? <laughs> Middling, in <bloody laughs> dance-oriented kind of... System abuse. <laughs> exactly. I've got to say that I quite like the random contrary nature of that being a single. Uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> There's something quite perverse about this uh, single choice that, that that really appeals to me, and I actually kind of like the fact that, that the that the production in particular is lacking a little bit uh, of oomph or whatever you want to call it. I, I kind of think it suits the kind of whole downbeat mood. You know, um, as I say, I don't know what the lyrics about, although the bits you read out sounded awesome. I'm going to have to check it out. Um, I might cover this one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, now you mention covers, do you, do you feel free to say no? Do you mind if I play a bit of one of your covers? Um, sure, if you want, yeah. I, I, was, so I was looking um, through the ones you'd posted on your Facebook, and I, was, um, I, I think um, the version of um, Rebellious Jukebox that you did um, was delightful. I'm going to play that, if you don't mind. Not a taxi for Mr... I'm searching for the now I'm looking for the real thing, yeah Head to a blue haze Waiting for the musical craze We got a taxi for Mr Nelson Taxi for Mr Nelson Rebellious jukebox, yeah very nice indeed um oh, what was your what was your kind of um just tell me about that game i'm not a professional media <laughs> person or whatever they call but tell me about that gig please if you don't mind <laughs> So, so what it was, Mark from Walthamstow Rock and Roll Book Club, which is an amazing institution in, in, in the north of London. It's incredible. They get this the, the biggest names there all the time. They had Elton 
John turn up in the audience like a week before I played. Wow. Um, and um, he'd contacted me. He'd seen a clip of me performing at this kind of underground experimental festival, Supernormal, last year, and he thought it kind of worked. Um, I was using a proper pianist in that one, a friend of mine who can actually play piano. Anyway, he was like, why don't you do this set of four covers? I think there's something to them. And I turned up at the venue and they put me in front of this baby grand piano and I'm like, I can't play piano. And um, now I'm not a sophisticated piano player by any stretch of the imagination, but I realised as soon as I sat down at the um, piano just to try it out, you know, before everybody showed up, I couldn't even do the levels of sophistication that I was kind of used to doing. So I had to do everything on two chords. Right. I had to because there was only the only possible way I could play it and perhaps add in a note. And I really had no idea what I was going to be doing until I started doing it on any of the full songs. Um, I hadn't played Rebellious Jukebox like that before. I'd only played it once before anyway, but I certainly hadn't sung it melodically before. I was just like, "That's I'm going to have to con continue doing it because if I stop, it's going to sound worse. <laughs> That's um, what the blues man says. You play it wrong, play it again. Yeah. And, and what was really weird was, I'm a lecturer, that's my job, okay? I'm used to people talking while I'm talking, you know, that's what our classes are like. And um, in this venue, there were about 70 or 80 people there, and it was completely silent while I was playing. And they were treating me with respect, which I really, well, you know, I'm a music critic, I'm a lecturer, I'm not used to being treated with respect. Um, so that was really hard. And I was not expecting that at all. Um, and people like applauding and laughing in the places you'd expect them to. Um, and <laughs> it, it was quite an experience. And, just, just just two days ago, Mark um, from, from the Rock and Roll Book Club sent me a message and he said, um, Stephen Norris and Chilean from New Order have been asking after my... And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> How's that possible? How's, how's anybody even heard of me? Um, you know, what's going on here? Um, so I'd love to I'd love to take it on tour, actually. I, I think it could actually... It lends itself to a kind of residency-type situation because you know what? You could come down every single night I played and I'd be doing that those songs completely differently every single time because I don't know how the, how I do them. <laughs> it's very very charming versions and uh, it's delightful. It's like that's how I came across you this time. I was I don't know how I got the video and I was watching it and it was only after I watched about ten I was like hold on I think I know this chap from an, from another lifetime ago and I was like this is this is this is a uh, charming stuff so wonderful yeah. Well, um, well, that's the other thing. I, I I don't really write about music, and I haven't done for quite a few years now because I never saw it as a career. Um, and uh, to me, this is music criticism. To me, this is me interpreting songs and kind of giving different layers of meaning to the songs the same way I tried to do and probably failed through my writing. This is the same thing. Nice. There's, there's no difference at all. Um, and and I got asked at the gig actually. I got asked why why was I doing so many full covers? <laughs> I said, well, the reason was really straightforward. I posted up a, I covered that wet leg song chase along yeah. and I thought it was a pretty good cover actually as it goes and um their fan community really didn't take to it they were they were very sniffy about it 
Um, but the full, but the, but the full fan community were really supportive of me, so I kept doing it. Yeah, you know, straightforward as that. No, I mean, yeah, I, the, I think that this is why, like this, that we've had a lot of nice things said about this kind of podcast, and it's just absolute chaos. Just people <laughs> blathering about the fall, and everyone. I think anyone in the fall just likes it. <laughs> all this kind of shit. Like anyone who shows any kind of interest in the fall, we're all we're all just <laughs> excited and happy about it. So that's good. Um, has everyone said something about this song? I can't remember. Let's let's assume yes. Oh, um, I've not. Yeah, Phil's not. Oh, yeah. oh, you've not. Go on. What do you think about this? Uh, it's not my bag, really. This one. Uh, it's. I, I. It is. I mean, it does what it says in the tin. And I don't really disagree with anything that anyone says, but it's it's not really my bag. The, the kind of whole rockabilly chug along thing that they get going. Um, but you know, you you lot, you fill your boots. Fair enough. Fair enough. It is up against. Uh, I African Mancunian is that right? Is that what it's called? Um, which was an unreleased track from 1987, which only saw the light of day when Beggar's Banquet played that uh, box set in 2013. Um, let's have a listen to that, Pip, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. It's song, approach, find home, story. Very nice indeed, isn't it, Alistair? What do you make of I uh, African Mancunian? Yeah, I'm liking it. It's, it's a good one. It's one that I didn't know as well. Uh, but I do love it when they start sort of like getting experimental on our asses. Um, it, it, it always kind of works. Even got sort of like some of the later stuff, uh, like Das Boots, um, where you know they, they're really like pushing the card for the uh, uh, is 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 this acceptable? You know, uh, some fall fans will probably hate this stuff, uh, but yeah, I think they should have done a lot more of it. Um, and yeah, it's got a kind of uh, ginger bakery ba- uh, vibe to the, the the drums. There is a bit of a sort of like an African, African Ooh, going on in it. That's interesting. I wrote Jackie Leaves it because it's oh. you that you know that what was that. Uh, is it Cyclops EP or something like yes. that? He brought out a few years ago. It was that. It put me straight in mind of that. Yeah. Well, it's mm. interesting that you didn't come out because what if it was it's eighty seven? That's somewhere in between Ben Sinister and Friends Experiment. And that that Friends Experiment period, although the album itself doesn't necessarily get a lot of love. Like, I mean, I like it, it's a good album, but the the stuff that didn't go on Friends Experiment. Um, that's that could have been an absolutely storming double album. I've said that before, um, but uh, it was not to be. And this is uh, this is a, a little uh, hidden gem. What does Tim think? Oh, let's have a gander. Oh, he's put 
this is more like it and a total surprise for me. No idea if I had this buried away somewhere, but I don't remember hearing it before. It's really good stuff. I love the wide studio mixing of the percussion, clearly based around the idea of a sort of communal dance troupe. And the didgeridoo or whatever pipe burst thing it is doing the blowing throughout is really nicely done. Maybe a sample? Not a clue what Smith is going on about. But I love the way it's all layered into a field of sound. But hopefully it's not a racist scream of some sort that I've missed due to my jamming out to the beat for the duration every time I've listened to it. Good shit. Doesn't seem to be. You've always got to be careful, haven't you, when Smith, when something, anything to do with race uh, enters into Smith's orbit, you've always got to tread carefully. But it looks like in this case... Uh, we're good. Maybe, I think we're good, we're good we're, to go. I think we're good. It's, there's not really any obvious <laughs> shenanigans going on. Ezra reckons it's loping idiot drums and tubular heroin prayers as the medicine fella gets to work. Love this chavy Muslim gauze feel. Smith pronounces Manchian as red book smarts, not pont smarts. Um, it is a nice one. You gotta love a tight snare, uh, layered voices. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it, it's all a little bit quote unquote ethnic. And that's where I think you might get into some areas that, you know, Smith has waded into in the past. But again, we'll give him the benefit that this was just, they went with the mood and it's a delightful mood. It's collage but unlike, say, some of the more out there audio collages, uh, WMC Blob, stuff like that, uh, it's it's a, an actual song and it's a nice groove. And uh, the lyrics are quite interesting from what we can make out. I'm Manchian. I could cut down his tendrils, neck wires, young plants surrounding, breed, play, make love, make reference to black Levi channels, roses red and bread eyeless head. Don't know what it means. Probably not even the right lyrics. But there's some good words that were in a good order, and I'm all for that. Uh, Jerry, what do you make of this tune? Have you heard it before? Come across it before? Yeah, I, I think I've encountered it. Um, say, I like the instrumentation and the feel of it more than I like the vocals. I, th I think the vocals actually let this down a little bit. Um, I. I I, I did um, a, a few reviews for a full magazine special that came out via Record Collector a few months ago, and I was just trying to find what I wrote there. I'll, I'll have a look, uh, see if I can find it. But um, I remember I got given the full second-to-last studio album to review, and um, I said, you know what, for a 34th album, whatever it was, this is a pretty decent album. Um, yeah, in, yeah. in terms of kind of the, the Falls repertoire, is it one of the best Fall albums? No, it's probably not. But compared to any other band's repertoire, it's pretty bloody good. Um, and that's kind of my feeling about this song. I mean, yeah, it's all right. You know, I, it, it doesn't lift me one way or another. I, I don't dislike it. I don't I, I don't particularly like it. It's got its charm. That album that you refer to, the Sex Last, is probably Sublingual Tablet, and that's got some, yeah, that's some, it, gem, yeah. some gems on there. They had a bit yeah, of it. it does. There's one in yeah. particular, isn't there? Um, bad with song titles. We really liked um, We liked the one um, called Pledge, where he seems to be railing against uh, like Kickstarters and the people telling him that he should get uh he should go online and, and get people to give him money to record and he doesn't seem to like that idea but um a, a lot of it's about technology that record it's uh it's cool yeah it's a good one um what do you reckon uh phil to this this song 
Thanks, thanks, Brendan. I can remember yeah. you too. <laughs> so, uh, I really charmed the pants off me, this one. I've not heard it before. Uh, I wasn't expecting much. Um, I know, yeah, I was laughing when you said it, how uh, square-quote ethnic it sounded. Um, but, I mean, the actual instrumentation itself, it sounded like, it didn't sound like a didgeridoo to me, it sounded like a long pipe, you know, like you see in all those old 60s Viking films, I think, uh, which they've also used on another one as well, it's the start of um, the composite uh, Knoll's chemical effluence. Yeah. It's a big long alpine pipe thing on the start of that as well, isn't it? But you know, um, he's probably responsible, right? Because it's. <laughs> It's uh, it's Panpipes um, Simon Rogers. He he's the resident go-to for all of your world so instruments. So when we were talking about when this was recorded, when did you say eighty-seven? Eighty-seven. So he's still in the band. It's it's a curious orange uh, kind of oh, yeah. era. Yeah, yeah, it will be Simon Rogers. He's anything cheeky and ethnic. It's <laughs> Simon Rogers. He's probably got his hands in it. Anything competent, so jazzy piano, Rogers. Guitar riff with more than three notes in it, Rogers. I um I I quite. Lights. Uh, so I'm not as big a fan of the skit type things as you are, but I I do like simple recording tricks being used well, and I like I liked the layering in this. It reminds, but I, I like a lot of that sort of these um, uh, sound experimentation anyway, and I think that's where a lot of his Barosian tape recorder experiments kind of come from, isn't it? That, that attitude. Um, yeah. and I, it worked for me. It, it was I thought I found it quite magical. I didn't really hear it as a Song. It was more like soundtracky for me. I thought it was. It was. I, I liked the vibe that it got going. So it was a nice treat for me. This one. Yeah, a bit of a surprise. I'm not. A- yeah, a little uh, hidden B side gem. Leon. Uh, says fully formed for an off-cut, decent mez cryptic delivery like Xylothrep. Was this meant for Hey Luciani to play? Now, listeners, we've, we've been threatening because it's a similar era now. We've uh, we won't give too much away about Luciani, but it is uh, starting to be exhumed from the uh, from the grave. And um, wink, wink. Watch this spaces. Um, similar in vibe to Half Found Borman in some ways. I mean, that's the audio collage kind of idea or the or the found voices thing. Uh, it is time to vote. Once Chris Barrow of Wigan has given his opinion, it is time oh, to vote. Oh, yeah, quickly. Well, I'm going to be a little bit uh, disagreeable here. I'm sorry, right. but um, <laughs> I'll start. I'll start with the positives. Yeah, I thought the collage of the uh, overlapping vocals was all um, really good stuff. And then, uh, yeah, after a couple of minutes, there's kind of like an, an eerie drone kind of appears. That's that's the didgeridoo, is it? And it kind of kind of picks up an in intensity. I thought that was um, that was all really good stuff. But um, the beat just made me laugh. That kind of ethnic, ethnic kind of um, demo, you know, ethnic element demo. on top. I'm sorry, <laughs> just, just made me laugh. Which number's ethnic on here? That'll be twenty-seven. <laughs> yeah, it just it just seemed a bit of a um, an amusing mismatch for me. It just makes me laugh a little bit. Yes, okay, accepted. Yeah, um, so, Vernon, the, the reason I mentioned sublingual tablets as well was um, there's a track on there called Jungle Cloth. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, a little bit of, um, and and I didn't quite understand it there either. Um, 
you know, I've heard that beat many times used in other places. I'm, I'm not sure it fits in. I mean, I mean, not that it matters. It's always good to be experimental, obviously. Um, but it makes me feel a little bit uneasy, I think. It is. Um, it, it's incongruous with the Falls kind of general um, take on things. I will uh, I will concede. But uh, it's good to try all the presets on your keyboard. You know, you never oh. know. You might write a hit. <laughs> It does sound like a preset on the keyboard, doesn't it? <laughs> um, incidentally, the track I really like from Sublingual is Auto Chip, uh, uh, 2014 to 16. Yeah, that is a good one, yeah. That's the one yeah. I like. Um, I think that went through. I think we liked that one. I think it passed the test and got into the second round. But uh, it is time for us to vote. Um, uh, everything hurts against the Mancunian, Phil? Uh, I African Mancunian. Okie dokie. Um, uh, Chris? I'm going to go um, Everything Hurts. Okay. Um, Jerry? Well, I'm going to go Everything Hurts, but I really don't like the fact that it just makes me think of R.E.M. Them's <laughs> <laughs> the breaks. I know. Um, Ezra's gone with um, uh, Mancunian. Alistair? I'll go Mancunian. Okay, I'm also going for Mancunian, so uh, maybe it's a done deal. What does Tim think? He's gone Mancunian. Okay, so Mancunian swings it and goes through to the next round. Uh, Jerry, you okay for time? or? Yeah, I'm good. Good, good. All right. Um, we'll move on to uh, the last era. So 2017's Grounds by off the final album, New Facts Emerge. It goes back now. Every day on the edge strip. See, this is so he's by this point, he's broken the lads, he's broken their spirit and their will from the pub rock chugging of like uh, Imperial Wax and that kind of like era. And now he's put them back together with Sellotape and Greenway's doing that like mankabilly kind of thing. It's all this thin, tinny sound and Smith's wailing all over it. Um, beautiful rambling. He's got the drummer doing rim shots and uh, uh, Grounds Boy, noticed by none, eat some grass. Grounds Boy, treated like scum. Um, it's um, it's charming. It's bonkers. It's charming. And, and I, I like it a lot. I don't know if it's any good. It's possible to tell. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I kind of like it. Yeah. Jerry, what about Grounds Boy? Uh, well, you know, that's actually the first time I've heard it. Uh, it makes me want to hear more. Uh, I want to hear to the tracks end, that's for sure. But it's bouncy. I, li I like the bounciness of it. You know, you go out and bounce on, bounce to a bouncy castle on that. Um, I, I like the Mankabilly. I, I like that kind of scratchy, kind of held together with sellotape kind of um, sound of the fall um, that, that, you know, erupts every now and then because, you know, the fan base can't do anything about it. Um, I, I like that Mankabilly. So, yeah, that's a thumbs up for me. I, uh, you know, I mean, I guess it's throwaway, but so what? So's all the pop music. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by that point, Smith didn't knew that he wasn't long for this world. I think, and that last album, he's he's really quite wild in his vocal delivery. I know, like he he's not going to match the 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 heights of things like Smile, but still, the experimentation with his voice and the kind of not giving a fuck, kind of like floating over everything, is is splendid. 
Um, Ezra thinks a charming slip of a number, homage to the many tropes that Mez must have loved from the chukawaka drummings to the choir swamp guitar and some nice frothy snarling. Given the health straits he was in at the time, I can't help but feel incredibly humbled by his vibrance. Indeed, right? You know, this was a this was a man who um, he was struggling at this time, but uh, he's uh, he stepped up. He needed the rock and roll dream um what about pip what do you think of grounds boy well i guess it's about time for me to do my uh, usual sneering about greenway's guitar player uh i've not done that for a while um it's it's not my bag at all this I, I, I in fact there's there's no element of it really that i like apart from uh smithy's complete disregard for harmony uh with <laughs> the rest of the band um, but it's that no, it's just a taste thing. It's just not my bag, really. This it's uh, it's I, I, I come for the angles, not the not the sugar belly. Yeah, you cut out there for a bit, Phil. I'm just going to assume that you really like that song and uh, and move on. Um, Chris, what do you reckon about this? Uh, yeah, yeah, like you say, it's um, late on in the day in uh, the new Facts Emerge LP. Um, at first, it just seemed like a bit of a kind of trivial filler, you know, towards the end. But um, it's actually a worthwhile, catchy song after a few listens. I do actually like the guitar line. It's um, it's not earth shattering, but it's a pleasing little number for me. Indeed. Leon says the drumstick Wrong. clacking. <laughs> Indeed. Leon says the drumstick clacking is the highlight. Average. Uh, you know, each to their own. Alistair, what do you reckon to Grounds Boy? Al, what, what did you think of the rim shots first? I did, I did right. I, I quite like some of the percussion. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to mention that, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's very country and northern, isn't it? Like, you know, uh, it's more sort of like Johnny Smashed than uh, Johnny uh, Cash. Uh, but... Yeah, very good. The, the, very good, Al. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> the vocals are uh, again. It's, it's the new facts thing. Like he's really, really sort of like pushing it. It's like getting as, as grotesque as he can, uh, and it's how his voice did change and how he did sort of like push it into like other kind of territories. Um, that's really amusing. It what you know. He makes uh, new facts quite a good LP, if for nothing else, just for for the sort of like the vocal delivery on. Uh, on it throughout, uh, but yeah, Grains Boy, like I said, it's, it's amusing, but it's, it's not it's not like brilliant, is it? Like, you know, it's it's all right. Talking about That's what you think? Yeah, you're talking about. Al. So as um, it made me think when I got into thinking about his vocals on that last album, it made me think of um, Derek Bailey. Derek so, Bailey oh. really did this did this album called um, Carpal Tunnel Syndrome. He thought he was developing carpal tunnel syndrome, but in the end, it's actually motor neuron. And he was realizing he couldn't play what he'd played previously, and he basically doubled down on what he could do. And so you get these really plucked strings and these really atonal kind of sounds. And it's Smith kind of, you know, that kind of rage against the dying of the light. He's Smith doubles down on what he can do in this album, and that's what I really like about Grounds. But yeah, it's a throwaway rockabilly number. But yes, I agree with you, Al. It's Smith's wailing and just like refusing. To not be fucking brutal rock and roll singer, even though everything is uh, uh, stacked against him. So, uh, good lad. Mm. Good lad. Did we hear from Tim? No, I don't think we did. Uh, he says, <clears throat> a fun number, but not a highlight of the last one. Definitely works better as part of the whole when considered separately. It's still a fun and slightly weird countryish riff with some fun if obscure lyrics. And Mark sounds like he's enjoying himself. Indeed. But unfortunately, for Grounds Boy, he's up against 50 year old. 
old man off Imperial Wax 2008. 11 minutes of crimping doom. Let's have a listen. Give us from about four minutes in, Phil, where they do the banjo breakdown. Give us a bit of that if you don't mind. That's plenty. It's plenty. Cheers. Um, Al, what do you reckon to a 500-year-old man? (laughs) 500. I like it. It's a great one. I sent it to my brother in January. Um, but it reminds me of uh, you know, like the, the, the man whose head expanded, like you know, you've got the, the sort of punky kind of upbeat stuff, uh, but then it's like mashed into Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Um, it's fantastic, uh, <laughs> there's some really nice garage grooving going on, and some nice, really shitty, nasty, minimalistic, experimental shitiness, uh, which is fucking awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I do like 50-year-old man. Yeah, um, great drumming, pummeling. I think this is the lads at their best, that that uh, era of the group. And I remember this from that In the Basement one, that Nigel, Nigel Godrich the one, which is a very polite and nice version of this song. And I always thought, you know, it's it's okay, but revisiting this, um, like Greenway is nowhere to be seen. It is dirty and rough. Uh, here comes the sun, banjo comes in in the middle, totally unnecessary. It, this does not need to be 11 minutes long, but I'm not arguing. I'm, I'm happy. I'm staying for the entire duration. Um, and then they just start again, like after seven minutes with like a nice clean version of it. And Greenway pops up with his pedals and starts. It's, it's a tour de force, lads. And uh-huh. breaks down several times through. Uh, just brilliant. It's like, just play the song four times in four different versions. <laughs> Uh, that's Steve Albini's in collusion with Virgin Trains. You're not a real boy, I said. You're the real boy. Hold on, fucking. <laughs> Washing the dishes are next to me. Uh, you're not I'll a get, real. I'll get, I'll get my BBC sound effects LPL for you. <laughs> you're, a, you're a gym teacher. You're a council estate little shit. A little shit. I'm a 50 year old man and I like it. I've got a three foot rock hard on, but I'm too busy to use it. I throw it on the floor and I piss in it. Um, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant stuff indeed. Derry, what's a 50 year old man do for you? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, this is absolutely fantastic. It's like, <laughs> I, was, I was going to draw a parallel Bohemian Rhapsody, but obviously Bohemian Rhapsody is just like written by a four-year-old. 
Um, and this is written by a 50-year-old man, so it's like Bohemian Rhapsody if it was written by a 50-year-old man. <laughs> Grown up the version. Nice. It's it's delightful indeed. And um, do you reckon, Jerry, um, Steve Albini would have, uh, what do you reckon he'd done uh, with his hands on a farewell one? It's, it comes back time and time again. And this is what Smith says. He says, uh, um, Steve Albini, you know he wanted to do the new LP. That might be interesting from a production standpoint. Oh, fuck off says Mez who produces you now I do and that's the end of that conversation I, I can hear the Falls um, influence on Steve Albini's music certainly I don't know if anything would have been really gained from having Steve Albini in the studio with them I mean Steve Albini famously does not refer to himself as a producer but an engineer he just facilitates the band to get on with it but, I, I mean, I'm not sure at what stage in their careers that would have been to the band's advantage, if you see what I mean. No, no, uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, he did, a, he did a really good job with another Fall Influence band, <laughs> The Wedding Present, that, that was a yeah. great record yeah. he made with The Wedding Present in the early 90s. Brass, I think it was. What was that? Sea, sea Monsters, was that? The Sea Monsters, was that? Yeah. It might have been. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, I, 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 again, Albini is one of these people. I stood next to him the entirety of a Fugazi gig. I think um, I don't know which one of us hated him more. Um, and uh, he's somebody else I've never spoken to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's uh, he went on the Old Brother podcast that the Hanleys do, and um, you know, he's definitely got a lot of respect for the four. But totally, like, you can see how something like Slates that he would have done really well with something early, but but that's already perfect. So again, what would he have? What would he have gained? By uh, like, imagine him producing like middle class revolt or something like that. It would have, it would have been awful, even worse than it actually is. Yeah, fair enough. Phil, what do you reckon to a fifty-year-old man? Well, like everyone else, it's uh, it's a stonker, isn't it? This one, it's it's very funny, and uh, the the just the sheer amount of energy that's going on in it is uh, is it's really breathtaking, really. Um, I just it's the lyrics, I could never get over really with this song. It's like he's, it, it's like that, it's like an, uh, an exploration of that feeling you get of, oh, I love being a grown-up because I can have biscuits whenever I want or something like that, do you know what I mean? And it's like, what's he going to do? Because he's a 50-year-old man, he's he's, he's got a bone and he's not going to use it. He's going to throw some towels on the floor and have a piss. <laughs> Freedom, isn't it's it? so surreal. It's so surreal. It's like an R. Kelly offer. I thought we were going to stay away from controversial issues this evening, Philip. That, that was our our uh, New Year's resolution. Uh, Alistair. Oh, no, I'm not going to him next. Chris, what, Chris well, say something nice about 50-year-old man. Yeah, well, I gather it's the, it's the Falls' um, longest recorded song. Okay. And uh, an excellent it is, too. I counted um, eight different sections, straight in with pulsating drums and superb bass line. Followed, like you say, with the um, the banjo interlude, and then just kind of variations um, from, of the first part. There's a really good bit where it all kind of falls apart, and there's only the bass line um, yeah. giving it any kind of structure. But the best bit for me is there's the uh, penultimate section, um, the bit with the lyrics, um, an inferior product mess. Um, it's a great kind of snarky vibe um, to that section. Um, overall, an experiment that uh, really pays off. So what's what's going on with the end of it? It's like a completely different. Well, we yeah. we um we covered Inferior Product Man, which was released yeah. on that alternative kind of uh, those sessions that Grant Shobis put out. So yeah, 
So that either that or an alternative version of it is is classed as an early version of fifty year old and inferior product, man. So it's it, I'd forgotten that it was actually on the end of this track as well. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it's just a variation, and it's interesting oh. how they seem to have collaged three or four bits together. And uh, no one else is getting away with the banjo interlude. They just uh, <laughs> you know we 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 let we give them um, a pass where nobody else would get it. Alistair, 50-year-old man. You've told us already, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, haven't you? What about Tim? What did he think? Has he told us? Uh, has he not said anything? Uh, what did he put? Uh, I like this one enjoyed it live at the time, but it's an instance where studio experimentalism fails to elevate a fairly standard rocker with a whiff of the pub. Every time I hear it, I can't but think it would be better as a three-minute number like the one above, and in stereo instead of the shit mono a lot of this record. I do like the line about throwing the towel on the floor like a green man probably a lift from some hotel sign he saw in his travels i think like the sort of jammy bit after seven minute mark followed by the tighter inferior product man bit at the end to the rest yeah not sure i agree what, though, we were talking about gigs before he went yeah. watching the poll a lot you start mm-hmm. asked you to, to chip in so um if you are still listening patreon is uh <laughs> There's, uh, there's, uh, we've been doing, uh, looking through the falls, uh, catalog year, like live stuff. So we did 77. We put that out as a, as a special only, uh, throw in some pounds and you can listen to it. And, uh, we'll do 78 soon. But, um, yeah, I'd like, uh, we'll, we'll grill, uh, Tim next time he's around. Um, Leon talks about Eleni's part on this, her waspy synth work at 7 and 38. And, um, We've not mentioned Eleni tonight, uh, and we should. We love you, Eleni. Thank you for your work. We all love Eleni. We do love her, don't we? So um, that's that. Ezra says it's good. Goes on about that rock hard, three foot rock hard on, and all that stuff. Uh, but we've got to take a vote. Is it going to be Grounds Boy or a uh, 50 year old man? Philip? 50 for me, please. It's easy, this one, isn't it? Easy. Jerry? 50. Yeah. Fifty in it, easy, easy, easy. Chris, fifty. Take it home. There we done it. It's done. No more, no more votes needed. Now, final showdown is a Rouse Rumble going way back, way back to nineteen seventy nine. I'm going to be the first one to say yummy fur. Boppity boppity love yummy fur. It's definitely got uh, that influence there. But Alistair, what do you make of Roush Rumble Roush? <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a classic, isn't it? You know, it's a, it's a, a good rocker like It's got a decent drop down bit to it. And uh, I really love, it's just the, the moronic riff, like, you know, uh, repeated over and over again. Like some demented fur ground ride or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's a... Uh, 
it's a great tune that with, with a really annoying riff in it that the uh, the fall do really well with sort of like converting Mavonic riffs into something that's memorable. Uh, so this is another great example of that. Yeah, I reckon uh, Paul Hanley was talking about um, that he reckons it's a ripoff of um, Take Appeal by the Stooges. Um, it's not that close. It's decent, though. It's definitely a nice pounding kind of riff. Uh, Jerry, what, what about Rose Rumble? <laughs> Better than the Stooges. Um, <clears throat> sorry, but, you know. Controversial they're, they're, opinions. Yeah. <laughs> no comparison whatsoever. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say about this. I mean, it's 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 probably one of my top. I don't I don't know how many numbers you want to put here. Top ten, top hundred, top thousand tunes. Full stop. Um, I I I don't know where to begin on this. Uh, I don't want to praise. I, I I'm kind of with MES on this. I don't want to praise the drummer or the guitarist or the bassist or anybody like that. But you know what? You kind of have to on this song because I, I mean that drum. That drum riff that comes in at the start, it's like, oh my God, you know, you can't you can't stop your feet from dancing just right from the off. I, I and I agree, I agree with Alistair on, on that guitar riff. It's just like such a brilliantly kind of abrasive, kind of wrong, kind of repetitive, annoying, brilliant, brilliant guitar riff. And and that's that's not even taking on Bob Marky Smith's vocals, which are just one of his superlative. You know, he sounds absolutely on top of his game there, on, on, on peak form. He's, he's having a lot of fun with it. You know, that's rumble. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's playing around. Um, I, I don't know what the song's about whatsoever. I don't care. I've never wanted to know. But it's also surprisingly difficult to cover on piano. Have you had a go at that one? Uh, I have, yeah. All right. I'll have a, I'll have a listen later and uh, we'll judge you. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure you'd do a better job than uh, Phil would. <laughs> Phil, what do you think yeah. of the song Roush Rumble by The Fall? Well, I've actually recorded it and I'm just going to play it now. It's, uh, it's, uh, I, I, it's a gem. It's a gem. I love this. I love this track. It's uh, it, like everyone's been saying, it's a beautifully moronic riff. It's the two-note keyboard break that I love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it goes straight back in. It's wonderful. Uh, I love how everything. It's it's like ensemble music, isn't it? Nobody's taking the lead. It's just everything's kind of just locomotive, uh, like a locomotive engine behind it all. Uh, I, I I think it's absolutely wonderful. Um, very Matt Riley, very yummy fur, very kind of plinky plonky, as I would probably say. Um, uh, and it's what's not to like. It's it's a real uh, post punk hot jam. Yeah, it's 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 splendid, isn't it, Chris? What do you reckon to uh, Rouse Rumble? Yeah, I'd never heard this version before. This is this is the single version, isn't mm, it? I'm yeah. used to the this is this is a groovy number um, at the uh, at the start. But like like you all say, it's just about that um, that that riff. Um, it's just something that only the fall could could kind of think think of doing, isn't it? You know, it's just so so uniquely them and uh, and just magical. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I like the keyboards in this version, they just kind of kind of go off in their own their own kind of bizarre direction. though. they kind of just just float off in strange strange ways. Well, whilst whilst Jerry's a bit occupied, do you want me to tell you what the song's about? Cause no, don't got, tell him. Don't tell him. To know what it's no. about. No. It's about. No, I don't want to know. Don't nope. want to know. No, nope. <laughs> I've even sung it. I've even, I've even oh, sung it. Oh, we've disturbed him now. Don't tell us, <laughs> Phil. We don't. Yeah, and here's the other thing, you know, you know, obviously, you know, the song Joe, No Christmas for John Keys. 
yeah, yeah. Took me twenty years to get that one. <laughs> I was saying the same thing. I could, it's like <laughs> Al, Al still doesn't get it. So don't spoil it for Al. <laughs> yeah, I'm not into that. Um, I sent seventy pounds instead of seventy pence to pharmaceutical company Roush AG. That's as much as I'm going to give away. Um, there is a fun story to it if you want to dig in, get the annotated for. But we're not we're not spoilers here. We're not ruining things for anyone. But uh, Ezra, Ezra says. Early slammer, loads of people around the land prescribed a death dance, absolute tornado of a track, setting in place a template for the fall garage rumble for the next few albums to come. Great grayscale dirge and thrum. Hmm. Has everybody thrown their true pension? Tim's not. Tim will love this one. What was Tim said? Timmy Tim Twa Twa. He has put mm, one of the early highlights for sure. The locked together bass and guitarist with stacked on chaotic keyboards so marvellous. I've always thought there was something oddly soul-like about this one. Can't put my finger on why. Maybe it's the drums. It's always stood out to me as something a bit different to stuff they did immediately either side of this release. And it's a sound that either band, sorry, the other bands could have spent years years exploring and replicating. I love this sort of muttered recitation close to the ends too. Yeah, it's a smashing single, no uh, no questions about that. But um, it is up against um, No Bulbs off the Escape Route EP, uh, a wonderful and frightening album by The Fall. <laughs> tunes indeed jerry what about no bulbs oh man such a such a killer riff um just such a such a killer riff i i mean yeah i, I mean and it goes on a great length of time as well i'm really glad it you know it needs to be going on that length of time um just for the lift to the build and build and build um i I, I can't I, I can't vote for one over the other these two it's 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 not possible I, I mean I, th I think they're both exemplary kind of you know it's absolutely why I love the fall so much songs like no bulbs and Lash rumble it's delightful but you know of course you could split your vote like the uh but you, you won't like some of the words I used to describe vote splitters <laughs> well, I, I I do have a defined. You know, here's the thing. I used to DJ a fair amount. I never understood why people let me. I think it's just because I drank more than them. And um, I um I, I I've DJed with Rash Rumble dozens and dozens of times, but never. I don't think once with No Bulbs, which is a crime. Mm -hmm. but I, I never have. So that might be the defining factor here. Indeed, indeed. But is it? It's a it's a, a wonderful gangly kind of uh, rocking country and northernish riff. Uh, but what does Alistair think? That's the important thing here. Does Alistair think of this song? Really dancey, poppy tune, isn't it? You know, I, I, I do think, yeah, whack it on, like, and uh, 
see that dance floor, floor fill up, like. Um, I did find the, well, it's a funny little story, isn't it, with, with this song um, about bricks that are moving in, wasn't it? And you get the uh, lobster up line in there, which I'm familiar with from the Profanosaurus. Um, but yeah, it, it struck me as slightly ironic that he, you know he will talk about band members and and even his wife in the songs when he's he sort of goes on about like uh, uh, people appearing on reality TV shows and going on about words of dignity. But he's doing it himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, absolutely fantastic song, and it is really difficult decision you know, going up against Roche Rumble because again, it, it's it, they're both very different animals, but the equally as outstanding um, is it, separate pieces of, of music. So difficult, difficult, difficult. Yeah, I know. You know, Bricks does a great job on here. She she um, she mentions this song as well in um, in her book, which we're just rereading because we're going to talk about it in a few weeks um and uh she talked about the squalor of the apartment you couldn't find anything one morning mark got up and started looking everywhere for a belt to hold his trousers up because he was so skinny he couldn't find the black strap then the light bulb went out and everything was breaking um it does um, sorry i it just reminded me i, I get mentioned in um, the brick smith um biography I, I wasn't going to say anything but i was going to wait and see I, if you brought that up would you like to tell us a little bit about that I, or is I, that i don't mind but you know what my anecdote from the same incidents is a hell of a lot better than hers but it's so good i can't actually share <laughs> it okay um, that's unfortunate not on a podcast anyway i don't mind you know <clears throat> messaging you later but okay. not on a podcast my <laughs> i know exactly why she's put me in there and uh, i've got to say my anecdotes a hell of a lot better it, the, the, well, it's spill the beans tell, tell I, me I, tell me if i'm don't tell us the story of course but uh tell me if i'm if i'm um to, but remembering this right it it, it was um at, at one point were you in in the house while bricks was staying there was, at, yes. at Cor- courtney yes. love's house is that right yes um i've been flown over there um by courtney uh not entirely sure why she wanted me to come out there um um, and so I was just kind of hanging out. Brick Smith shows up, and uh, yeah, she seemed nice enough. But uh, the part of the book she's talking about is she almost joined Hole, I think, and she and then she decided not to join. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of true. That's she, sort of true. She almost joined Hole, but in then she went back and joined Fall and did uh, light user syndrome and so on. That's her take on it. Yeah, you see, I think she made the better choice there. Quite honestly. Um, and um, yeah, I kind of, I, I might have had a hand in that decision simply because inadvertently, uh, I wasn't really aware. I mean, this sounds stupid, but I wasn't really aware of how the music industry worked even then. And um, so I got a call from my news editor while I was staying at Courtney's, who was like, come on, give us a story. Come on, you've got to give us a story. Come on, give us a story. And I was like, well, I don't have any stories. Rick Smith's probably going to join Hole, but that's not a story. And next thing I know, it's on the cover or something. And yeah. and that hadn't been agreed at all. It was just under discussion, so nobody was very happy with me. <laughs> I, I, I think, but that wasn't the anecdote. That wasn't the anecdote. No, no, no. I think um, I think she made the right decision coming back to join the fall again, for, at least musically. I don't know how I don't know how pleasant it was when she was back for that second time. But um, I, I think if she'd have joined Hall, that would have been a very interesting dynamic. Had had you know possibly, but you know, who knows? That's for another life, another time. I don't. But, yeah, I. I don't no, I think she would have been better off joining Nirvana or something. Mm-hmm. Well, that would have been delightful, wouldn't it? But, uh, that would be incredible, yeah. You see, that that to me would work. 
Yeah, that blood clean scream that she does on Terry Wakes says, you know, that dad really yeah, fit. She's got the voice. Yeah. 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 I, was, um, I was quite a big fan of the adult net as well. I, I thought the adult net was great. Yeah, I'm we always pleasantly surprised when I listen to it. I've not got into them as a band, but it's whenever they've popped up doing this, I've always enjoyed what I've listened to. It's quite poppy. I'm surprised she didn't get a little bit more uh, traction with it. It's some good stuff, but um, yeah, maybe she'll come on one day and tell us, but probably not. I asked uh, Steve Hamley to come on and he's still thinking about it it might be a few years as in he didn't didn't say anything so uh, uh, i'd love but you know we have got mayo thompson coming on a couple of weeks which should be fantastic i'm uh, amazed that he's said okay to that so wow big times big times indeed but uh what are we talking about here no bulbs no, no bulbs no bulbs um chris what do you reckon to no bulbs yeah i hadn't heard this for ages but uh when i did it, it blew me away it's just the perfect uh off kilter pop song every component in the band is firing on all cylinders it even sounds like they're enjoying themselves um it goes on for over seven minutes but never gets boring the, yeah like you say the lyrics are more about the uh the missing belt than uh than light bulbs i came to realize but um excellent stuff it's even disappointing chris yeah but, it, more about- <laughs> it, it was the it was the the light the lack of light bulbs was not helping with the belt location no no i guess not there's it, was, a, it was it was aggravating the whole yeah. scenario but here's yeah. the thing that i kind of like there's a little bit in the lyrics where he talks about the former tent was an anti-corporal punishment meant well but it came to nothing so he kind of goes on a belt tangent about like he's obviously using it to keep up his, his pants but he's not against the odd bit of belt whipping um which led me to <laughs> the xtc song which was just slightly before this called no thugs in our house which actually musically sounds similar and actually has some um some some lyrical similarities but i i don't think there's any xtc i don't think smith was a fan of xtc at all i cannot see you know any time for that stuff did you um, see what it said on the um annotated fall about the uh the damp flat no um it links the annotated fall website links it to the work of parapsychologist tc lethbridge who had a theory that uh, the magnetic fields of water retain information on its past experiences hence the damp flat is the biggest library yet okay nice That's lyric at the end mm. isn't it mm. um, i'm a big fan of light bulb jokes can I just share one with you? Of course. Take this opportunity. Yes, please. How many Nirvana fans does it take to change a light bulb? I do not know. None. They just let it go dead and follow it around for the next 40 years. <laughs> oh, la la. I wasn't going to broach this subject, but that photograph of you with the wheelchair pushing Mr. Corbyn onto the stage has been doing the rounds this week for the obvious reasons. Um, um, well, I can tell you another remote. I... I how many Ramones fans does it take to change a light bulb? One, two, three, four. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dear old week, folks. Yes. <laughs> um, who hasn't told us what they think of no bulbs by the fall? I've not. Go on, Phil. So, weirdly to me, it feels like this is the first time I've compared the fall to Blondie. Um, so I was just putting in mind because it's got that sort of poppy feel to it. It's got the, 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 the nice female vocal line going through it. Dead catchy and I just kept thinking to myself, this is so much better than anything Blondie put out. It's like they really did deserve to get a lot more pop traction than 
they uh, than they got because um, they really know how to nail. I mean, Smithy's ability to knit a hook out of nothing and to be surrounded by a band that really were just 100% committed to it, and then to have Bricks as well as this additional kind of real powerhouse in the in in the band. It's like who, who the hell are they not more famous? That was kind of what I was left listening to. This I, I love this. I, I wasn't um, particularly familiar with the tune, and so this has been my earworm this week. Really, it's uh, it's, it's really hooked me in. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bricks, as far as I remember, did cite Debbie Harry as kind of a, a musical hero. So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if there was some influence in there. Um, mm. Smith, I noticed Smith's vocal melody. Yeah, very strong. We've said this before. He can just he can take what would be anodyne in the hands of most other people and, and make a melody out of almost nothing. It's um, it's amazing. Um, Ezra says, uh, music of the drums are mainlining her dingers motoric Apache to great results, describing the mold and detritus of 80s mank flats with great humour and flourish. This is true pop splendour, joy in the sink, the biggest library yet. And uh, Leon says that this is Brix's best guitar performance on record, up there with Poison Ivy. Another Mez narrative with so many quotable lines. Is Ezra going to read some of the lines out for us? No, he's not, Leon. He's <laughs> <laughs> done, and he's not coming back. Chris Barrow's here now. <laughs> Anyone got anything else to add to, uh, to things about no bulbs? What about um, you? That, that's the thing about melodies, having... <laughs> <laughs> Having covered something like 860 songs in the last couple of years, you notice that actually melodies are really, really, there's very little between all of them. So either you've got to make, you've got a knack of making it sound like a melody or you haven't. There's very little between any of them because there's only eight notes there, unless you want to include the black notes, but no one does. But, and um, so Marky, I, I think you're right. I think Marky Smith does have a talent for making stuff sound a lot more melodic, melodic than necessarily. I mean, I, I mean, everything's not melodic or everything is melodic. It's really just in the kind of way that you sing it or the way that you intone it. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things uh, MES does that um that people perhaps non full fans don't pick up on. I think so. And the fact that his voice is so incongruous with that idea that his voice is so screechy and atonal in places, but still melodically um McCartney-ish in his in his ways. <laughs> <laughs> um what does Tim think? He's not told us yet, has he? No, I don't think he has. So let's let's uh let's have a dig in. And he's put no bulbs. Oh, we've got an Ezra here. Another absolute highlight for me is the whole thing about is the whole thing about junkies? You know, belt straps and light bulbs for finding bends. In my delightful hometown, they put special lights in the toilets of the supermarkets and police them with burly brutes to stop the junkies killing themselves on the premise. So this has always been evocative as an image. I love the constant variation and shifting about that this track does musically. The guitar noodling should be really annoying, but the way it just keeps going over the same riff over and over, but the way the rhythm section keeps pushing along and the constant changes in the way the tracks decorated with keys and layers of multi-tracked guitars and build and then release is brilliant. Vocally, it's all about the rhythms and delivery and its faultless performance. I wish they had replicated this recorded sound for a lot more of the Beggar's period. 
period and combines the best aspects of the other contemporaneous records with some of the creative layering of the song that they quickly went on to discard a way that I really love. Actually, it's just reminded me of something I was going to say, which is that the, the, the wandering guitar style on Noble is actually quite similar to the wandering guitar style on Ground Boy, but I just like it a lot more. Something mm. about that I, I don't get off the Green Boy's playing. It's delightful, Tim, obviously. If, if people hadn't noticed yet. Yes, you made it very clear that Peter Greenway is not your favourite fall guitarist, but um, t- Tim uh, d- d- likes it a lot, so let's have a vote, shall we? Are we going for No Bulbs, or are we going for Roush, Rumble? Um, Jerry, and, like, as you said, it's a tough call for you, but uh, I'm coming to you. I would have loved to have heard uh, Marky Smith sing last night of DJ Save My Life. <laughs> That's one of my dreams too. <laughs> Produced by Steve Arbini. Now we're talking with a solo. Let's make it happen with AI. Let's make it happen. Peter Greenway guitar solo. Oh, <laughs> Um, well, Alice, oh, go on, Jay. Well, <laughs> I was going to let you off the hook there. Okay, beautiful. Um, Alistair, which way are you going? I'm going to split. Oh, coward. Yeah. Uh, Phil, I'm going to surprise myself and say no bolts. Oh, my lord. Mm. Uh, Chris Barrow of Wigan, no bolts. Oh. I'm going for Rice Rumble. So, Phil, Ooh. what does Tim yeah. say? Uh, Timothy Troitor has gone no bulbs. Alistair, have you told us? Yeah, he split his vote, didn't he? You'll be uh, you'll be uh, disconcerted to, to know that uh, Ezra has gone for no bulbs, and therefore oh, no bulbs goes through. Shocker. Sadly, shocker. Who would have thought we'd be putting Jawbone and Roush Rumble out tonight? It is a uh, it is a cruel, cruel world indeed. It's a, it's a stupid idea, isn't it? The whole no, podcast. The whole fucking <laughs> podcast is a total fucking disaster. And that's it. This is the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> that, fe- that feels right to me, though. That feels right that um, Rush Rumble should be voted down. You know, it's, it's one of the classic singles of our time. Let's vote it down. Let's do it. That's it. Like, that's exactly what we said when we started this. We're such contrarians that the first round, everything good is going to go out and it's going to be all like the skits and covers. It's like fucking Lost in Music versus WMC Blob in the final or some shit like that. <laughs> oh, but Lost in Music is so good. Yes. Oh, and that seaside one, the seaside cover. I'm going to Spain. Yeah. No, I like that. One. That's great. Yeah, that's like not. That. That's coming up soon. That's that's. Uh, oh, I love that one. Yeah, I'm a big. It sounds like the television personalities. Yeah, yeah. I've um, I've covered that one myself in the past. It's uh, it's a it's a gem. But so what that means is that uh, smile, smile. I African Mancunian, fifty year old mon, and uh, no bulbs have gone through. Um, Jerry, thank you very much. It's been a delight. I've enjoyed myself. Thank you. Um, Invisible Stew has said uh, thank you as well. For the wonderful contribution to music journalism. Uh, that's uh, from beyond the grave. A big thank you. <laughs> confusing me, God. Um, all right. Well, we shall uh, reconvene this time next week uh, at a different time, probably. But uh, who knows? Um, Jerry, um, thanks for the the uh, covers. We'll keep checking out. And uh, do you plan? Do you, do you reckon you'll do any more uh, of the gigs? Uh, well, I'm waiting for someone to ask me. I could be here a long time. I did. I did contact um, Fliss Kitson actually. He was um, 
putting on that um tour with um the former members of the fall all right yeah the house house of all yeah she, yeah mm-hmm. she's she's hot behind that and she did say she'd get back to me we're we're, we're thinking of uh trying to uh talk to the people at the press which arts festival about doing something there so you never know there might be uh that might be a, that'd be uh, up for it yeah I'm, yeah I'm up for it uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna go away and um cover smile later i don't know how the hell i'm gonna do that nice looking forward to that all right well take care thanks everyone and i'll uh, see you all soon bye see ya bye bye bye